On is a public affairs program exploring the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American communities in South Central Indiana and beyond. Bring It On is a forum for the people, by the people, produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana, and financially supported by listeners like you. I'm James Sanders, and welcome to this edition of Bring It On, broadcasting from WFHB radio station in Bloomington, Indiana. We're a multiple award-winning show in our 15th year as Indiana's only weekly community radio show committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting African Americans. Good evening. I'm Gloria Howell. 2020 is a big year. This is a year for our nation's census. Your response matters. The census is mandated by the U.S. Constitution in Article 1, Section 2. The U.S. has counted its population every 10 years since 1790. Census results help determine how billions of dollars in federal funding flow into states and communities each year. The results determine how many seats in Congress each state gets. When you respond to the census, your answers are kept anonymous. They are used only to produce statistics. The U.S. Census Bureau is bound by law to protect your answers and keep them strictly confidential. The law ensures that your private information is never published and that your answers cannot be used against you by any government agency or court. So we're going to talk a little bit more about the census, but James, aren't you excited? This is Women's History Month. Yes. It's a big deal. I think we need to insert that. Yesterday was International Women's Day. Um, So to shed more light on the census, why not have a great woman in our city Mm. be able to talk to us about the census, the infamous, the legendary (laughs) BCA. Beverly Callender Anderson is with us today. And she's going to share some updates on community-wide initiatives with her department. So, Beverly, welcome to Bring It On. Thank you, and congratulations on your inaugural broadcast. I'm so glad to have you all sitting in the seat where I used to sit. So, it's exciting. Yeah. It is exciting. Yeah. And terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah. So... You want to talk about the census a little bit? Yes. Okay. Well, like you said, the census happens every 10 years. Um, This is the 230th year for the census. And beginning in a couple of weeks, households will begin to receive postcards from the U.S. Census Bureau. And those postcards will invite uh, residents to respond by mail or online. And they can do that, and and if they respond by mail or online, everything is fine, everything is kept private, and that goes on until about the 16th if you haven't. So between the 12th and the 20th, you'll get that first mailer. Uh, Around the 16th, if you have not responded by mail, online, or by phone, I'm sorry, I forgot to say that, uh, you'll get a reminder letter. And then by the 26th, if you have not responded, you're going to get another letter. So you probably should just go on and respond so you can stop getting all these mail, this mail at your house. Um, but if you have not responded by the end of April, then census enumerators, or what we call census counters, will start to come to your house, knock on your door. If you're like me, you really don't want strangers coming to your house. But, um, but they will be go- come to your house, knock on the door, um, and then we'll 
help you respond to the census form in person. So there are several ways to respond. This is the first time it's ever been done online. And so we're real excited about that because that will make it easier. You can do it on your phone. You can do it on your laptop, you know, anywhere. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. You know, that happened to me once. Um, I was at my apartment doing nothing, and I get a knock on my door. And a, a tall lady, <laughs> she was kind of intimidating. I'm 5'7", <laughs> came to my door talking about the census, and I thought I was in big trouble. And so I, I did it. <laughs> well, good. Well, you will not be in trouble. Let me just say that. The, cen- the census won't get you in trouble. Um, and as you mentioned, James, all the information is confidential. Um, as a matter of fact, everybody that works for the census has to take an oath to keep information confidential. There is a five-year prison term and a fine of something like $250,000 if they divulge any of your information. Um, And so it won't be shared with law enforcement. It won't be shared with your landlord, your creditors, your employers. Like, it can't be shared with anybody. It won't be shared with other federal agencies. So uh, people who may uh, be worried about whether or not their citizenship status will be shared. It will not. Um, mm-hmm. So none of, none of that information will be shared. But it's really important that we get people counted in the right place because the dollars that come back to our community because of the census help to um, uh, for a variety of things, actually, including what if we need more schools, what kinds of emergency services we need. Mm-hmm. It helps... Mm-hmm. A, to determine if we need new roads or businesses will determine if they need to open, you know, other shops or or other places of business. And it also helps to um, determine how many representatives each state gets. So the Mm -hmm. census information is really important. We rely on it for uh, grant information when nonprofits are doing grants. And so, so we always say we want people counted in the right place, the right way in the right place. And so for students who are living in Bloomington, they should be counted in Bloomington. Um, Wherever you're living and laying your head on April 1st, that's where you should be counted. Babies born on April 1st need to be counted. So if you're pregnant, don't fill out your form before April 1st. But, um, (laughs) you know, because if your baby is born, they need to be counted because all of those people will rely on the services, you know, that may come from the census count. And we have to live with this count for the next 10 years. And so if we are undercounted, um, that means that that reduction in funding we live with for the next 10 years until the next uh, census count. Mm. I'm glad you mentioned that because I think a lot of people sometimes don't participate or do our part in the census because we don't understand how it impacts us like how it hits mm-hmm. close to home. So like talking about the resources and how it affects the schools and businesses and things like that, I think it's very important to, as to kind of almost incentivize people to, you know, do your part right. um, when it comes to being counted in the right place. In the right place. Um, and so I do know that Indiana University is doing uh, communication to their parents of mm-hmm. students to make sure that parents don't count their students. But, you know, I also want to get that message out to students as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have a lot of populations in Bloomington, as do other Mm -hmm. communities, um, that are, have been traditionally undercounted. And so children zero to five, because people don't think they need to count their kids. Ah. Uh, But children zero to five, people who are experiencing homelessness, 
people who are senior citizens living in nursing homes or things like that. And then a lot of our students, especially international students, Mm -hmm. um, are just traditionally undercounted, partially because they don't understand. And so um, this year we formed what we call a complete count committee. And so the city and the county came together. Uh, one of the few times the city and the county came together um, <laughs> to form this complete count committee. And I co-chaired that committee with Penny Githens, who's a county commissioner. And we've been meeting and we have people from faith communities, nonprofits, um, all over. I mean, just um, other organizations in the community um, helping to get the word out. So you should have seen quite a bit of stuff coming across social media, mm-hmm. uh, coming across, actually the TV commercials have started. Those aren't ours, those are national, but mm-hmm. the TV commercials have started. We've got posters up, we've had cards out at different events, and so really just want to get people committed to completing that census information. So is there anything being done um, that you know of that it, that incentivizes people to participate in the census? Because some people can be apprehensive and not know that their information is confidential mm-hmm. in that regard. So all of the informa- um, all of the people who are working with the census have that information. What One of the things that we're going to do on April 1st, which is census day, that's like mm-hmm. the day that all around the nation um, we're we're just going to be focused on census, we will have available at City Hall um, um, about eight or nine laptops where people can just come into City Hall, fill out the census, you know, and once you hit send, it, it doesn't save on a hard drive or anything. It goes to the Census Bureau. And so they can come in. And so if, if people don't have um, their own computer equipment or if they may have questions about how to fill it out, they can come to City Hall and do that on April 1st. Anytime after April 1st, they can do that at the Monroe County Public Library, either um, in Bloomington or in Ellettsville, anywhere, you know, and those are our two county libraries. Um, and so I do think that they also have uh, some place on campus where they can do, I think it's the Wells Library, that people will be able to come in and get information and fill it out as well. Awesome, awesome. Um, Earlier, you mentioned students being undercounted. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been reading in, in a few places where um, it says that um, African Americans mm-hmm. and uh, Latinos are generally undercounted. So, mm-hmm. um, is that um, is that something that that is really true? And how could we um, get an, a more accurate count yeah. this year? So, I think that yes, it is true that that both African-Americans and Latinos have traditionally been undercounted. Um, I don't know all of the rationale for it. I think a lot of it is a trust issue. Mm-hmm. What are you doing with my information? You know, when you get it, what's going to happen right. to it? Um, and so that's what we've been working. Some, some communities have been working for the last two years getting ready for the census, and you, they have wow. census, census information everywhere. Uh, we've been working for about a year, but just trying to reassure people um, to have them go to the website, which is 2020census.org. They can go and, and see all of the information about census. Um, we want to make sure we get everybody counted. I, like I said, I don't know. I'm sure that there has been some um, concern about confidentiality, some concern about the citizenship question that um, they try to slip into the census. Mm-hmm. Yes. There, there is no citizenship question on the census, so you don't have to worry about that. 
And again, that the information really is to benefit the community in which you live and, and um, you know, in dollars, you know, for infrastructure, but also, like I said, in, in things like, you know, grants that daycare centers might get so that they are able to offer daycare or WIC funding for mm -hmm. mothers with children. I mean, just all those kinds of programs that depend on federal dollars. Yes. Um, I was actually reading um, earlier about um, the controversial citizenship question. Mm -hmm. um, and at first, I didn't know why it was controversial, but um, it was, it kind of leads to, to discrimination mm -hmm. um, in so many words. And why is that problematic? Why is the citizenship question problematic? Yes. In your, in your opinion. Yeah. So the citizenship question itself, um, because if, if a person is in this country uh, without the proper citizenship papers, they are relying on the resources of the place where they live. But I'm sure that there is a fear that if they report that they're there, that they may be deported. Mm. And mm -hmm. so we want whoever, and, and I will speak for Bloomington and Monroe County, that's all I'm speaking for, okay. we want everybody here to receive the services that they need in order to live as a productive a life as they can. Mm -hmm. And so anything that will keep them from doing that um, is not a good thing. Mm -hmm. And so that citizenship question just invokes fear because you don't know what somebody's going to do with your information. And, right. and so, therefore, you just don't fill it out. So if that question is there, I think a lot of people just will not complete the census because they just don't want to check that box. Mm -hmm. um, and so then our community becomes, or whatever community they're in, becomes undercounted, but they're still utilizing services. Mm. Great. I, I also noticed um, that in, the, in a few articles that I was reading that uh, for the first time, they're allowing you to, the census is allowing you to... Um, uh, be more descriptive with your um, how you identify your race um, and ethnicity. Yeah. Um, I, they are allowing you to write it in. Uh, now that I don't know because I actually haven't seen a census form yet. Um, I know that uh, race and ethnicity was one. I think they may just have more mm -hmm. choices because one of the one of the great things about the census this year is that I think it's in like about thirty different languages, mm -hmm. and so depending on what what language you read or speak, you can uh, fill it out. Um, I do know with the gender question, however, that there are only two genders that you get to choose from, so oh, wow. it's male or female. Um, I went to a training in Chicago, and that was a big topic of conversation. However, if you decide not to fill it out, if you decide not to answer that question, because that's now how you identify, that doesn't bump your form out. So you can skip a question, and your census questionnaire still gets counted. So if you decide to skip a question because of race or because of gender, um, you can. Oh, great. Nice. Great. Mm -hmm. And so how um, can you apply to work? For the census? Are there yeah. jobs available for So people? there are. There have been um, jobs available. A lot of people from this area have been hired, um, and they had jobs. Now, I don't know which ones are left, but I know at the beginning of when we started working with this, there were office jobs. There are definitely uh, census counter jobs, you know, so the people that will going, mm -hmm. be going to people's houses to uh, council, those enumerated jobs are available. And you just go to 2020census.org and there is a 
link on that website uh, that talks about jobs. The jobs in this area are paying about $19 an hour, yes. $19 or $20 an hour. Mm. And so they have part-time, they have full-time. You know, if you decide you just want to work Saturdays and Sundays because you're holding another job, you can do that. Um, they're pretty flexible in how you set your schedule. So it's a great way to serve the community, but also make a little extra money. Get a yeah. side hustle. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't call it a side hustle, but that's what it is. No, not at all. <laughs> no, but and I, and I do. I think it's really good. And, and it also helps people understand, again, how important the census is. I know they were trying to hire about 2,000 people in our area. Oh, wow. And about three weeks ago, um, they had only hired about 50% of that many. So there were wow. still a lot of jobs open. Sheesh. And so I, I really recommend that people do that um, if, if that's something that they're looking to do. You do not have to be a U.S. citizen to uh, work for the census, and they really need people that have language skills, mm-hmm. so people who speak uh, Mandarin or, or Spanish or you know, some other, other language that we find in our in our community. What a hard language to learn, Mandarin. Um, I've heard that some political parties can use this data to manipulate voting districts. Um, and that's a, a, a kind of like a myth I'm hearing or mm-hmm. urban legend. And I would say the answer is no, but you'd know better than me. Yeah. No, I, I don't believe that that's true. I don't, one, because the information is not going to be shared with political parties. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, once the information goes to, because all the census data has to be turned into the president by the end of December, once the information goes there and then is made public, you know, people can do with numbers what they want, but the, but the data is, you know, recorded. And so mm-hmm. it can always be checked. So I don't think they can do that. Great, great. Yeah. So this this being, you know, a show kind of bias for us Mm -hmm. if I can say that I don't want to get in trouble no not yet Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, in the past um, during the uh, I guess Jim Crow era Mm -hmm. um, there's kind of like a been a question around uh, if black people were intentionally undercounted Um, is there some truth to that you know this is my first year working with census so I don't know my suspicion is that that's probably true um, because black people probably and 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 with, for that matter latino or hispanic uh, latino or italians or whoever probably all lived in a particular area mm-hmm. and so if they undercounted that area that was less money going to that particular right. area mm-hmm. and less representation for that area so it would not surprise me if that were true. Um, I didn't really study on that and look that up, but nothing in the history of this country really surprises me. Yeah, that neither, is so true. neither did I. I kind of felt like it was more uh, conspiracy theory, mm-hmm. but there's so much that I don't know, um, yeah. especially surrounding the census. I, uh, I just, I've never known this much about the census <laughs> right. um, before right. today. I will be transparent in saying that. <laughs> um, I do know a few things, mm-hmm. though, that they will never, the representatives will never ask you for your social security number. That's right. Uh, um, definitely not money or donations. Correct. I wouldn't give that anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anything on behalf of a political party? Nope. 
um, your bank and credit account numbers. No, no. Which is so inappropriate. Yeah. And all census enumerators will have a U.S. Census ID. Oh, great. And so if anybody comes to your house and says that they're with the census, mm-hmm. you should all, if they don't have that ID on them, very visible, you should ask to see it because they should have an ID on. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, to your knowledge or, or, or even you, Gloria, um, have there ever, has there ever been any uh, scams uh, committed during this time where people are taking advantage of? Oh, there have been scams like last month. Oh. Uh, <laughs> well, and, and I will tell you, the, the National Republican Party sent out a mailer, um, and, and this is not to get political, this is mm-hmm. just fact. Um, they sent out a mailer that looked very much like a census form. And when people opened it, it had census language in it. It ultimately asked for a donation um, mm-hmm. to the National Republican Party. Well, depending on who you are and how old you are and, and what your understanding of the census is, you may have then thought you had filled out the census form already. And it actually was not. And I say it was a scam. The RNC doesn't call it a scam. Oh, wow. You know, mm. we, we agree to disagree. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, that actually made national news. And, and so that was a way of letting people know that that was not from the Census Bureau, that that was a private fundraising mailer it just looked exactly like it came from the census bureau so interesting yeah but i'm glad you mentioned that and i'm glad you mentioned james about kind of this historical like missing jim crow and that era because i think this has a lot of implications for black folks and Mm -hmm. um our distrust you know in the government our distrust in just these outside Entity. So when it comes to talking about the census and even voting, I mean, we know mm-hmm. this is election year and trying to get folks to go to the polls and you hear about all these things that are, yeah, they were Jim Crow, but they're also yesterday, you know, gerrymandering and redistricting and, yeah. you know, the back in the day, the grandfather clauses and poll taxes, and all these different things. And now things are a little bit more implicit. They're not as seen, but there's still all of these kind of discriminatory practices that unfortunately our people are the ones that are very much affected by them. So um, it's good to have people like Beverly who are, you know, talking about these things um, because it it makes a difference when we see people who look like us that are encouraging us to go to the polls, to be counted in the census, to be engaged in electoral politics in general. Um, So that's very important. So I'm really, I'm really glad you brought that up. And, and actually, uh, you know, we have talked about the census in relationship to voting, it is just as important mm-hmm. when you to have a voice in what happens in your community. Um, you vote, and mm-hmm. to have a voice in what kind of services show up in your community, you fill out the census. Yeah. You know, and um, it's it's just that important. And so, but you're right, um, Gloria. All across the country, we we talk about trusted partners and and we we are looking to people that other people trust mm-hmm. to talk to them about the census because you know it is there is a lot of mistrust of government and and I get it you know I understand it but um you know this is they've gone all out this year to um to really train people to talk to people to get them out not only to talk about completing the census but census jobs you know mm. putting putting people to work i mean we one of the other hard to count um, 
populations are people experiencing homelessness or um, uh, people who are not adequately housed who might be couch surfing, surfing or something like that. And um, they have a special um, count that they're going to do March 30th, 31st or the 31 days of March, March yes. 30th, 31st, and April 1st, where they will be going out into the community, into um, sites where homeless, homeless people. people who are homeless might be living, and mm. to actually count those people. Um, they we, they have a another count where they'll do with um, places like the jail and nursing homes and mm. shelters, and so where they'll count those folk, yes. but but those folk who are not sheltered, it's really, really, really important that they get counted. And Absolutely. so um, we've made arrangements, and they have enumerators that have been specially trained to go out. And I know that there are some folks in the community that work with those populations that um, will be working with um, the census this year as well so that they will see people that they trust yeah. coming out to count. Absolutely. You know, and so we're trying to get everybody, everybody, everybody counted. So uh, we, we spoke about representation. Um, do you have any insight on who develops these census questions? Oh, my goodness. The one question I can't answer. Um, <laughs> so, well, what I do know is that the census doesn't just stop. Like in that that ten year period, mm -hmm. it doesn't stop. There is mm -hmm. a census bureau that works year round, mm -hmm. and so I suspect that there are researchers and mm -hmm. and folk that are working for the census bureau that puts that together. That makes sense. Yeah, mm -hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. So, Beverly, if you could give like your um, like elevator speech <laughs> for people to do their part in the census. Mm -hmm. What would you say? I would tell people to the, how important it is to be counted, not only to be counted um, as a number, but to, to have your voice heard and to have your voice counted. It's, it's fairly quick, probably between 15 and 30 minutes to fill out a form, depending on how many people are in your household. It's confidential. It will directly impact your community where you live. Make sure that everyone in your household gets counted. That includes you, your natural children, your, your foster children, your people sleeping on your couch, might be your cousin, I don't know. <laughs> but whoever is in your house, make sure if they're there April 1st that you count them. Um, and you can do it online, by phone, um, in person, and by mail. And if you have any questions, you can go to 2020census.org. You know what? I have said that so many times. It's 2020census.gov. I am so sorry. It's 2020census.gov. Um, or, short of that, you can email me at cfrd at bloomington.in.gov. Um, and I will definitely get the correct information to you and not misrepresent the website. Um, but, um, yeah, that... The information is all there, and uh, you can email my office, uh, like I said, cfrd.bloomington.in.gov, or you give us a call at 812-349-3560, and we'd be happy to talk to you about it. Yeah. Great, cool. great. So in your experience, mm -hmm. um, you've been working with the city for a while. How have you seen the census um, come to fruition f for the city of Bloomington? 
Well, certainly, I think um, I would say the expansion of the hospital, you know, as our population has increased, we've got a hospital expansion going on, um, good for good or for bad, you know, more apartments are coming for our increased population here. Um, so, you know, that those are the kinds of ways. But in my own personal um, life, I've worked with a series of nonprofits in the area and in the country, and we go to census information all the time for grant applications yeah. and things like that. Great. So. Great. Nice. Um, so also just one last question, Beverly, if for folks who want to be involved in city government, like mm-hmm. want to know more information because the census might just get people, you know, hey, I'm feeling empowered. Yeah. Um, so what do you what do you tell like, you know, someone who wants to get involved? Like what's the simplest of things? That oh, my do? goodness. There are so many ways you can get involved. Um, certainly volunteering through um, activities that you can find out about at the Bloomington Volunteer Network or serving on boards or commissions. Uh, a lot of times if you don't want a longer term uh, commitment like a board or commission, people can serve on committees. And we have task forces and committees that may last, you know, just up to a year or whatever. And, you know, so there are loads of ways you can get involved in Bloomington. And we've got a lot of nonprofits where people can just go directly to a nonprofit. So if you know that you like animals and, and you'd like to work at the animal shelter, you can go there. If you know that you would like to work um, in the area of food insecurity, there's Community Kitchen or the Hoosier Hills Food Bank. So there are plenty of places that uh, people can get involved. Great. Nice. Great. Well, we're going we're gonna to take a, a brief intermission. Um, we thank you, and we'll be back in a second. All right.
Doesn't plant your seed in the early spring Summer's gone away, winter's back again Cause every generation of our life Reflects a movie scene, often on a twine Time will make us change, nothing stays the same A fool gets stung, hides his heart and plays the game Every generation of our lives reflects a movie scene, often more than twice. You just heard Every Generation, the title track to the self-named album. This was written and performed by Ronnie Laws, an African-American jazz, jazz fusion, and smooth jazz saxophonist. Every Generation was issued in 1980. The album reached number four on the Billboard Top Soul Albums chart. That was really smooth. Smooth. We've never heard it before. Uh, bring you it all on. got really relaxed in here. Yes. <laughs> yes. Night moves. You have the lights on, by the way. <laughs> Bring It On has an open submission policy, so if you have an idea for this program, let's hear it. Send us an email. The address is bringiton at wfhb.org. We want to make sure we share everything and anything affecting the African-American community to our listeners here in Bloomington and beyond. The email address again is bringiton at wfhb.org. So at the top of the hour, we featured a conversation on the U.S. Census with V, I just like saying that, V, <laughs> BCA, Beverly Calendar Anderson, Director of Community and Family Resources. I do want to insert here again, this is, is International Women's History Month. I think that's important to bring up. Um, just like Black History Month, we celebrate women and their greatness all 365, right? Just Black History Month, we had a month, but hey, we're celebrating all year long. Same thing with Women's History Month. So we're happy to have uh, Beverly here with us. And so now we want to shift gears from the census conversation to talk about some community-wide initiatives that are relevant um, here in the city of Bloomington that are currently being coordinated through her department. Um, and also James and I will share some updates from some of the city commissions and programs that we have going on both in the city and on the campus of Indiana University. Great. So, go ahead, Beverly. You want to share some of the things um, that you have happening in the city this month that people can be involved in? So we do have three actually upcoming events this month. 
Um, and as Gloria said, it is uh, Women's History Month, and so all month we are highlighting extraordinary women in our community. And on March 25th at 11 o'clock at the Convention Center, we'll have the 2020 Women's History Month luncheon where we will uh, recognize our Women of the Year. We actually um, could not pick one Woman of the Year this year, and so we have two. Um, one is Jessica Hahn. A lot of people may know her as the director of uh, HR, Human Resources at Oliver Winery. She's also a very active Rotarian um, in the community. And our second woman of the year is Dr. Tashara Perry. Uh, she's an OBGYN with Indiana University Health and an adjunct clinical uh, assistant professor at the IU School of Medicine. And Dr. Perry is an African-American uh, woman who has not actually been in the community that long. And so it's really good to see someone um, um, getting this recognition after such a short time in the community. And she's also earned her Girl Scout Silver and Gold Awards, which makes it really close to my heart. So um, I would invite everybody to come out to the luncheon. Um, anybody that is worried about having that many people in one room, we're going to have plenty of hand sanitizer. <laughs> and you can just come on out, and it's going to be a great time. Our speaker... Um, is a well-known author. Uh, her name is, hold on one second. Her name is Elaine Wise, um, and sh I'm really excited about her coming. Um, she is the um, author. She has written for the New York Times, um, The Atlantic, Harper's Bazaar, The Christian Science Monitor. Um, she has a book entitled Fruits of the Victory, Fruits of Victory, The Woman's Land, the Woman's Land Army in the Great War. But her expertise is in the suffra suffrages movement. And one of the things I'm excited about is to hear her talk about um, African-American women in the suffrages, in the suffrages, I can't say that word today, suffrages <laughs> movement. Um, because there were a lot of African-Americans who African-American women who were fighting for the right to vote, but they don't get the recognition mm -hmm. um, that some of their uh, Caucasian sisters got. So, and a lot of them were, were pushed out. I mean, actually, if you give a black woman the right to vote, then you got to give a black man the right to vote. And nobody was letting that happen. So a lot of them were pushed out. But I'm going to let Elaine tell you all all about that on the 25th at 11 o'clock at the convention center. So it's, I think that's going to be um, a great luncheon. The cost for seats for that luncheon is $25, and they are available at the Buskirk Chumley box office. And then on the Saturday following that um, is the Women's Leadership Development event, and that's where we'll recognize um, our emerging leader, uh, Shatoya Moss and our young woman of the year, Sove Hicks. And um, that's um, a free event. It's at City Hall. Uh, it begins at tw 11 o'clock, I think. Look it up. Um, it, it <laughs> I think it starts <laughs> at 11 um, at City Hall. And it's a really good event. And it's an event. Um, in the last segment, Gloria asked about ways that people could get involved. And, and the, that event is really um, 
designed to help people join committees. I was wrong. The event actually starts at 1030, not 11. But there's going to be breakfast at 10 o'clock. So um, the keynote for that, that event will be Shruti Rana. And Shruti is the director of the BA and International Law and Institution Program and professor of international law and practice at Indiana University. She's also a member of the Commission on the Status of Women. And so um, it's really exciting to see young women be recognized for their leadership. Sove is a high school student. Oh, wow. um, and so nice. being recognized for her leadership at this point in her life um, is really good. Shatoya Moss is the City of Bloomington Safe and Civil City Director, um, has been doing that for about a year, but has done phenomenal work. So for so people phenomenal. to have uh, nominated these women um, will be great. Um, also, who will not be in attendance but will also be recognized is our Toby Strout Lifetime Achievement Award winner, and her name is Beth Lodge Regal. And Beth will not be in attendance because she had a previous commitment, but has a lifetime of uh, work in Bloomington and uh, commitment to the betterment of women and seeing women excel and um, has has walk the walk the talk she didn't just talk about it she walked the talk so two great events that you can come out to that we're really um pleased to put on every year and lastly uh we have our be more awards on march 31st what the be more awards? what's the be more awards you say the the be more awards are where we recognize our community volunteers um from all over the community and so um, agencies, individuals will nominate people for all of the great work that they do. And 10 um, recipients are selected. Their agencies that they volunteer for receive cash awards if they are selected. But it's really a great place to get people together to, um, to just celebrate that spirit of volunteerism and that spirit of community service that is so prevalent in Bloomington. And so we're always excited about that. That's always a really good time, too. Again, hand sanitizer will be on hand. <laughs> great, great, great. So um, these events that you mentioned, um, besides the Be More Awards, mm -hmm. are men invited to, to of attend? Of course. Of course. Anytime the city of Bloomington has an event, Everybody in this community is invited. Awesome. So if we say Black History Month, don't think that that leaves you out. Or if we say Hispanic Heritage Month, don't think that that leaves you out. Women's History Month, men, women, everybody, y'all come on. If you don't identify, you're binary, you don't, uh, come on. We want everybody awesome. to come. Everybody. No, but it, honestly, open to everybody because we do not exist in a vacuum and women don't exist without men, men don't exist without women. And so um, we we do encourage everybody to join us. Great, great, great. Mm -hmm. I um I I must admit this is I hope this isn't inappropriate, but I was raised by black women, mm -hmm. you know, in Memphis, Tennessee, and with two people that I respect, uh, Gloria and and you, Beverly. What does um, Women's History Month really mean to you? So, Gloria, what does it mean to you? <laughs> Very good question that you pose. Um, I think now more so than ever, it means celebrating the 
the unsung women, um, particularly unsung black women um, in the in the world and those that I'm connected with, I'm trying to be more intentional on on expressing gratitude and really showing people um, how much they mean to me. And so for me, that means like honoring folks like my mom, my grandmother, my aunts, um, like you mentioned, the village that raised me um, because I also was, was raised by a group of phenomenal, strong black women in the South. I left that out. Phenomenal. Phenomenal <laughs> black women. Phenomenal black women who, um, even though I grew up in a, in a predominantly white area, um, grew up in the country, uh, Mississippi, I never once forgot that I was black and I never once um had anybody to not remind me that you are a strong black woman. Um, And so for me, Women's History Month is about like paying homage to folks who um, are unsung heroines um, and may not get the recognition that they need and making sure that those stories are at the forefront. And even women that um, I admire and like the work that I do, one of the um, founders of my sorority, Alpha Kappa Alpha, um, shout out to Capital Omega. Um, they, one of the, a lot of the the founders, but one in particular, she was um, very involved in the um, National Association for Colored Women, and she was also the first uh, dean of women at Howard University. And I think she's one person, Lucy Lucy Diggs Slow, who doesn't get a lot of recognition um, for what she did for Black women on Howard University campus, and also being and not just you know AKA, but the other sorority women who founded these organizations during times where they weren't even really, you know, wanted on these campuses and such. So um, really like giving a voice to those stories that we may not get to hear as often um, is really what women's history is about for me. Yeah. And I think piggybacking on on what Gloria said, it's also a way to show little girls what they can be. Mm -hmm. Yes. And And I think that that's so important because if you never see it, you you don't mm-hmm. know that you can be it. That's right. And so when you start to show girls the Mae Jemisons of the world or the uh, Maxine Waters of the world or the Kamala Harris's of the world, I mean, then they know, okay, that's something that I can also aspire to do and I can I can aspire to be. And and it doesn't even have to be, you know, somebody that famous. It it's, you know, the Dr. Glows of the world. You know, mm. what I mean it's it's, you know, people that you see every day that, you know, oh man, I can do that too. And but what what I hope Women's History Month can become and as much as I, I do love Black History Month and Women's History Month and um mm. and, and celebrating those, I hope it can become a place where all women can start to lift one another up. There's yes. um, there's an emoji or I don't know, GIF emoji. I don't know what those things are called on Facebook, but um, where there is there are two women and there's a third woman and they are placing a crown on the third woman's mm-hmm. head and they are they are lifting her up and they're promoting her because she had been crying or whatever mm. and and they're lifting her up and and I and I want to see that among all women because traditionally you know women have been known to not be as supportive of one another as they could and I think it's that that we don't have time for that anymore that we need to be supportive of one another we need to you know make sure that that if there is a glass ceiling that 
if one of us is busting through it, that we're all busting through it. Yes. You know? So that's, it. that's the kind of thing that we need to be doing. So that's so that's what I think Women's History Month is for is and, and bringing those little girls along and and letting them know all all of their potential and all of their possibilities. That's amazing. That's amazing. As a um, as a man, I um I get a chance to see uh, a lot of amazing women around me. Um, like I mentioned, you and Gloria Shatoya Moss. I would follow her off of a cliff. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Shatoya, she's, I'm fearless. she's really awesome. She's really, I advocate for her. In, she's in amazing. Space. Our fearless leader. Yes, yes but um, uh, living in Bloomington, I am you know really glad that I get to see um, so much support from um, the women in our communities especially black women, mm-hmm. because um, like you said, you know, you don't always get that advocation and that support that you need. Um, and I see a lot of that in Bloomington. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a, like I said, as a black man, I wonder, um, I always think about, you know, what I could be doing uh, to support, mm-hmm. um, you know, the sisters, yeah. you know, and, and I've reconciled that I can, you know, just, more than anything, listen, mm-hmm. you know, because a lot of times, you know, we have the tendency to want to mansplain or, yeah. you know, tell it how it is. Yeah. But oftentimes, you know, what is required of me is listening mm-hmm. um, and, and believing women in um, also um, protecting them and, you know, just cheering them on. And I, I do that. I try to support, you know, every every and anyone that yeah. I can in I, that regard. Yeah, and that's awesome. And and you do. I mean, you do. I, yes. I remember having your umbrella because you wouldn't let me get wet out in the <laughs> rain <laughs> one day. We can't let, we can't let that, that hair get wet, you know. No, we cannot. Such a uh, James. But... But, you know, I think the other thing you can do for women is to is to preach that message to other men. For sure. Mm-hmm. You know, because because the brothers need to bring the brothers along. You know, I mean, and 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 we're all here together. I remember moving to Bloomington a little over 20 years ago, and it was the women that reached out to me first. Liz Mitchell, Dr. Gladys Devane, Laverta Terry, mm-hmm. like th- those women took me under their wings. Audrey McCluskey um, and. That's how I learned about Bloomington. You know, Diane Hanks, Doris Sims. I mean, there, there are names that I can just keep rattling off. But though that was that became my village. Yeah. You know, and that okay. became that place where I learned about Bloomington. I learned, you know, a lot of stuff about Bloomington. You know, because uh, Dr. Devane and Laverta Terry, they they had been here for a. I mean, all of them had been here for a while, but they had a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some of the younger women had a, another perspective, and so they got me involved in commissions and working on boards. And oh, wow. yeah, so that was how I got involved. We're through women. Gwen Jones was um, is a local entrepreneur, and so. Um, she was actually probably the first black person I met in Bloomington. Great. You know, she and Liz Mitchell. Yeah. So with that being said, with um, how much you've benefited from, you know, the village, Mm -hmm. um, what is your advice to uh, uh, younger women or or up-and-coming women? Our uh, Black History Month thing was uh, uh, blooming Mm -hmm. uh, in Bloomington. Um, What what would be your advice or... um, Words of encouragement for a young lady seeking um, the type of mentorship that you received? You know, I'll, I will tell her what a friend of mine told me one time, and it was unpack your bags. Like, be here, be present, be in this space. You know, don't, don't stay 
don't make this a temporary stop, even if it is a temporary stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because a lot of people come through here and they stay for a time and then they leave. Mm-hmm. But but while you're here, be here and be open to all of the possibilities. Sometimes it's difficult um, to find that village and to find that community. When I came, I wasn't connected with the university, and so it, it made it a little harder. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you find it, you know, and once I found it, I just latched onto it, and, and it was great. And at times in my life, when I needed support, like those were the people, those names that uh, that I named. I mean, those were the people that supported me and that you know wouldn't let me move pretty much when when I was ready to leave <laughs> here. You know, but but wouldn't let me go. So and have supported you know my son and my family when they come to visit. So they've become my um, my family of choice. You know, you have your right. family that you can't help and then you have uh-huh. your family <laughs> of choice yes. and so they've become my family of choice so in the last couple of minutes there's a, a few events that are happening on campus and in the city um in addition to what beverly's mentioned that we would love for you all to support um so i work at the no Marshall black culture center on campus and we have a couple of women's history month events happening to kind of honor women. Um, first is March 24th. We're hosting what we're calling Ladies Night at the Black Culture Center. Um, that is on March the 24th at 6 o'clock p.m. at the Neil Marshall Bridgewaters Lounge. This is just a chill night. It's for women, not just black students. It's for black women. Um, any woman in the community, any woman on campus who just wants to come and chill, um, we're going to have you know, some little little uh, treats for you and just celebrate and listen to good music and honor and as Beverly mentioned earlier just supporting each other and really affirming each other in that space so we invite you to come to that I would like to support that event by making the playlist okay we have a playlist it's going to be popping because James is making it thank you so much good brother I won't Appreciate be in you. But, you know. <laughs> thank you James I'm really I'm glad you said that thank you I'm going to hold you to it um Secondly, on March the 31st, we're going to partner with Black Women in Technology on on campus, and we're having an afternoon tea talk at 1 p.m. on the 31st in the Bridgewaters Lounge to talk about generational wealth and Black women and kind of the historical and contemporary perspectives about generational wealth and what that looks like, what is fiscal responsibility, what is fiscal abuse, how does that work in relationships, um, all those types of things. So we're partnering with Black Women in Technology to talk about some of those um, some of those good topics that we may not get to talk about all the time, but we're going to just drink some tea and have some cookies and, and talk about that. So we invite you to come. Um, and then the final event that I want to mention is April 18th. This is past March, but remember Women's History Month 365. So April the 18th, there will be um, the Coleman Tissue Bank uh, donation drive. So folks who want to donate breast tissue for... Um, for research, there will be um, an, an opportunity to do that because there's, especially for black and Latino women, um, there's a, a tissue drive that you can donate your tissue um, for research. So we hope that you come out to that. Um, more information coming soon on that, but we want to thank Beverly for joining us today. Thank you so much. Yes. I was really enjoy being here with you. Like we say the... Director of Community and Family Resources. Um, Thank you for coming to discuss with us the U.S. Census and various initiatives being coordinated through your department. 
Yes, if you have an event happening in the African-American community that you want us to know about, send that information directly to the Bring It On staff. Or if you want additional information about a calendar item that you've heard tonight, contact us at bringiton at wfhb.org. Our show's producer is Clarence Boone. With help from WFHB's new news department director, Cade Young, tonight's board engineer was Chantel LaFontant. Our original theme music was created by Jamlin FM with additional background checks by David Baker. For WFHB, I'm James Sanders. I'm Gloria Howell. Tune in next Monday, March 16th at 6 p.m. for another exciting edition of Bring It On, right here on your Bloomington Community Radio Station, WFHB. You've been listening to Bring It On, a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Bring It On is your forum for open dialogue on the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American community in South Central Indiana and beyond. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Bring It On staff. The email address is bringit at wfhb.org. That's bringit at wfhb.org.